So yesterday was the 20th anniversary of 9-11, and for those of us old enough to remember, I would guess we have no problem with calling exactly where we were and what we were doing when we learned what was happening in our country that day, those terrible, terrible events of that day. I was at home that morning. I was sitting at my kitchen table working on something, taking advantage of a, a quiet morning when my phone rang, and it was my husband, Tripp, and I was surprised to hear from him because he had left earlier to go to the airport. He was flying to Tampa that day on business. Well, he told me that he had been listening to the radio in the car, and something bad was happening, an attack of some kind. They were canceling all the flights, so he was going to come home. He asked me if I would turn on the television, so I did. I flipped it on, and, and there was a shot of one of the World Trade Center towers with a big hole towards the top and smoke pouring out of it. And I, I remember just standing there in shock, trying to understand what I was looking at, trying to understand what was happening and then as I continued to just stand there staring, I watched the second plane hit. I saw the second plane hit live on national television. And I sank down on the couch and I just cried. It was so shocking. It was just so unbelievable to me. I felt as if I was watching a bad disaster movie. I couldn't believe that it was real. But of course it was real. And all of us entered a very dark time of grief and pain and fear. Well, in the days that followed, our culture tried to cope in a way that it often does by gathering and disseminating information. We were swimming in a sea of words. There was a, a tidal wave of information, endless offerings about who, what, when, why, how. Press conferences with every law enforcement agency. The President of the United States spoke to the country. Do you remember that? There was analysis from, it seemed, a thousand experts and interviews with survivors, with people desperately searching for loved ones, with first responders, with hospital administrators, with politicians of every ilk, with world leaders. So much information. Friends, the world media outlets went into overdrive gathering and providing what information they could 24 hours a day. And then something extraordinary happened. Sunday came and churches all over our country filled to capacity. I would guess that this great church was full. I see heads nodding. Some of you were here. You remember that it was full. My church in Dallas was full. Every seat was taken, and people were so desperate to hear 
a word from the preacher, that they were willing to stand for the entirety of the service, lined up against the walls of the sanctuary, in some cases two or three people deep. Friends, media outlets around the world were pouring forth information 24 hours a day. We were swimming in words. What word could the church possibly have to add to that? Why would millions of people feel compelled on that Sunday to put aside their newspapers and turn away from the television and the internet and come to church, even if they had never attended church before, even if they had never been to the church that they showed up at, why did so many people feel the need to be in church that day? Well, when a nation is plunged into a dark morass of grief and pain and fear, information is not enough. No, when you're dealing with darkness, what you need is light. And light is a God thing. So on that day, so many of us got up hungry, desperate for light, and figured that if it was light we needed, then church just might be the community that could show us where to find it. And that was right. That was correct. And it still is. Because the church is the community of faith that bears witness to the light of the world, the everlasting light, the light that can never be extinguished, the light that shines on in the darkness. It is the church, this unique community of faith that reminds us when we are walking in darkness that that light is there, that all we have to do is reach for it. You know, in the days after 9-11, I heard a lot of people refer to our text this morning from the prophet Isaiah, and I heard this text preached upon often. I think that's because Isaiah was talking to his people during a very difficult, dark time in their history, and that resonated with so many of us. You see, Isaiah was speaking to his people when they were under the thumb of the dreaded Assyrians. The Assyrians were violent and cruel. They were a terrible oppressor. And the northern kingdom of Israel had fallen to the Assyrians and been annexed, and the southern kingdom of Judah was being held as a vassal state. It was a horrible, dark time for the Hebrew people. And remember, they are God's chosen ones. Can you imagine what was going through their minds as they're being held hostage by such evil? No wonder Isaiah talks of them as a people walking in darkness. 
They were stumbling in the dark. And so, when we are in darkness, it is light that is needed. And Isaiah spoke to his people words of hope in terms of light. He said, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. And according to the Gospel of John, that child is the Word that was from the beginning. The Word was with God and the Word was God. All things came into being through him. Without him, not one thing came into being. And what came into being in him was life. And that life was the light of all people. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness will never, ever overcome it. Do you see, friends, when we feel we are in a dark place, It is the church, the community of faith that reminds us that that light is always there. If the light shines on and on in the darkness, then the darkness will never overcome it. We just have to reach for it. It is there even in the darkest of places. Nothing can keep his light away. I mean this, nothing. Not evil, not sin, not violence. Not fear, not ignorance, not the brokenness of human beings, the mistakes that people make. Nothing. No power or principality of this world can extinguish his light, can keep it from us. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will never overcome it. The light is there. All we have to do, friends, is reach for it. It was there on 9-11, you know. The light was there. I know that the darkness got a lot of press, but the light was there. It was there, shining through those first responders who ran up into the towers of the World Trade Center, who ran into the Pentagon who ran to a field in Pennsylvania. Many of them lost their lives, gave up their lives for their friends. The light was there in those passengers on Flight 93, banded together to fight back. What courage to try to take the plane back so that they could save everyone on board. The light was there in two friends, one Jewish and one Christian. who were in one of the Trade Center towers when the first plane hit. One of those friends was confined to a wheelchair. And when they began to evacuate the building, he told his attendant to run, and the man did. He ran but the man in the wheelchair could not get out. The elevators didn't work, and he couldn't get down the stairs, so his faithful friend stayed with him. They held hands, 
and they prayed. And we know this because they placed calls to their families telling them that they were waiting together to be rescued. In the bond of love between those two faithful friends, do you see the light shine through? The light was there. And the light was also there in this man. Do you see him in the corner? Standing there holding a fire extinguisher, facing that destruction like David holding a sling facing Goliath. This picture was on the front page of many newspapers around the country on September 12, 2001. This particular copy is from the front page of the Dallas Morning News that day. Some people saw this picture and almost found it laughable that someone would grab a fire extinguisher and run for the towers. But I have never laughed at this picture. It makes me cry. Because in this man I see the light. I see a man with the God-given instinct to help his brothers and sisters who took what he could, when he could, and ran to help, to do what he could in the moment. Friends, do you see the light pouring forth from him? And the light was there in the prayer spontaneously offered that day in the faces of worshipers, in the faces of those who stood for hours and hours to give blood. It was present in every act that declared that evil and hate and fear and violence will never win. Do you see, friends, the light is always with us. The light of Christ is there to grasp, even in the darkest times, because our God will not leave us alone in the dark. Our God will not leave us alone in the dark. And this is not Pollyanna optimism. I've been accused as a pastor of offering that. This is not Pollyanna optimism. This is the triumph of thousands of years of faith over thousands of years of evil and hate and fear and violence. The light, it shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, and it never will. In life, in death, and life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. When you find yourself in a dark place, reach for the light. Will you pray with me? Most loving God, we give you thanks for you are life and light. And we understand that no darkness can ever overcome your power. Lord, when we are afraid, when the darkness seems deep, Help us to remember to reach for your light so it can fill our souls with hope. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.
Our invitation to Christian discipleship this week is to reach for the light, friends. It doesn't have to be 9-11 for us to feel that we're walking in darkness. If you feel depressed or down or lonely, discouraged, reach for the light and point others to the light so they can have that hope too.